Good morning. Happy Father's Day. If you would stand with me, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture for today. We are continuing in our AD series, and we're looking in the book of Acts, and starting uh, with chapter 10, verse 9. Here's what it says. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, <coughs> excuse me, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation. For I, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we love that you are aware of our lives every day and a part of our lives every day. God, we pray that we would be people who hear your voice clearly and obey what you call us to do. I pray that you would guide us in our steps, that you would help us to be a light every place that we go, that people would see you inside of us, and because of that, that they would be drawn to know who you are. Bless this message today, bless our pastor, and let our hearts and our minds and our spirits be open to what you want to say to us. Guide us and lead us by your power and in your anointing, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see everybody today. I hope you're having a good day, good weekend. Uh, you know, I've been blessed in my life. I've, I've never lived in a house without electricity. How many, have anybody in this room ever lived in a house without electricity? One, two, three, four, five, a few of you? Yeah, last service, a few as well, yeah. Uh, how many have ever lived in a house without air conditioning? Yeah, a lot more of us have lived in a house. I'm not just talking about they turned it off. I mean, you didn't have it, period. It wasn't there. It wasn't available. See, I've been pretty blessed in my life. I've always lived in a house with electricity. I've always lived in a house, as far as I can remember, with, with air conditioning. And, and, and I know, you know, there's been times when the, when the electricity has gone out. But I always knew. I always knew it was going to come back on eventually. You know, they were going to get it fixed, and it was going to be back on. I could go stay out and go to camping someplace, go to a cabin someplace. And, but I always knew if, if I didn't like it, I'd get in the car and go back to my house with electricity in it. It was always available. Uh, air conditioning, the same way. Uh, you could be someplace, they don't have air conditioning. I, can, I could always go home where they had air conditioning, or I could always 
go to a store where they have air conditioning. Air conditioning's always been available so that to comprehend what it's like to live without it, I can only pretend because I know it's there. It's available. You can get it if you, if you really need it. And, and I want to, as we look at this scripture today, I want to point that out to you because we're somewhat that way with our faith. None of us have ever lived in a time when it, 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 the, the, message, the message of the gospel was not open to us. We've, we've always known we could come to Christ. We were welcome to come to Christ. But when we talk about the New Testament church and the very beginning of the church, the Jewish people saw themselves as a chosen people and the Gentiles, those of us who are not Jewish, as something less. And they didn't know that the door was open to us. They weren't aware of that. So with that thought in mind, it's kind of hard for us to get into our head the idea of how momentous of a moment this was in Acts chapter 10 because we all know the rest of the story. We all know how the gospel has spread to, to all the world and to every race and to every group of people and to everyone that the, the good news of Christ is open to every man that will call, call unto him. But Acts chapter 10, friends, this was a game changer. This was a revelation. We, we find in Acts chapter 10 the very moment when God is making it clear that the barrier between the Jewish people and the Gentile people is, is collapsing. It's the Berlin Wall of the Bible. It is a wall that is coming down and we are now able to enter in uh, to the kingdom. We're able to be grafted into God's family. Uh, at that very moment, Cornelius, a Roman soldier, puts his faith in the gospel. Prior to this moment, the Jews were center stage. Cornelius is the first Gentile representing all of us who would be granted eternal life. What happens here in Caesarea is a, a little hard for us to relate to in a, in a 21st century uh, kind of thinking. Uh, but think about it this way. Think about the visceral hatred that exists in the Middle East today uh, between the Sunnis and the Shias and the continual warfare and battle that has been going on for centuries that even to this day leaves us as a nation in a dilemma of how to deal with it because if we defeat one side, it just raises the power of the other side. They, they both equally hate us. But they hate each other. And they've been at war for centuries. Or think about the Palestinians and the nation of Israel and the division and the separation and the, 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 the hatred and the, the pain that is there between those people groups. And you begin to get some kind of an idea of the intense enmity in the first century that affected everyone that was in the Gentile people, that were Gentiles and the people who were God's elect. And for this this to be transformed is like a, you know, an earthquake on a, a scale of 10 on the biblical Richter scale. 
I mean, this is a transformational moment that there would be real debate. There would be ongoing debate about this throughout the first couple of centuries of the, uh, of the, of the church as to what the Gentiles had to actually do to be saved. And so much of, of Paul's writing is about simple faith in Jesus and nothing else. Not any of the law, not any of the other things. And there was this ongoing debate. Now, for Peter, this was, this was really hard. Even after this vision, even after he has seen this thing and gone and seen what happens, we see that he lapses throughout his lifetime for, for a while, back and forth on this whole Gentile issue. And he eats with them for a while, then some Jewish people show up, and he stops eating with them, and his hand gets called on it, and all kinds of things take place in this debate because it was so ingrained in him so in, so much of a worldview that it would take a miracle to break down this partition between these groups and that is what precisely what God did with this vision uh, to Peter he began to do this vision to Peter about Cornelius <coughs> so excuse me let me read this a little bit of this to you again. Uh, Cornelius has gotten this vision, and about noon on the following day, he'd sent a group of men to find Peter and to, to do what the vision had said. And so the following day, they're approaching the city. And about that time, Peter goes up on the roof to pray. And uh, he'd become hungry and wanting something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he's up on the rooftop praying. The Bible says he falls into a trance. God does something on him. He saw heaven open. He saw something lar like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. He was hungry. He had need. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then the voice told him, Get up. Kill and eat surely not Peter replied I've never eaten anything impure or unclean the voice spoke to him a second time and said do not call anything impure that God has called clean he's changing his mindset he's getting ready to transform the way he thinks this would be like God giving us a vision today of a sheep filled with worms or bugs and saying feast up Go after it, eat away. Your flesh would immediately be repulsed by it. That's the way Peter would have seen this, this, this sheet coming down from heaven. No way. Not going to do that. Don't want that. I don't care how hungry I am, I don't want that. But it was even worse because not only was it disgusting to him, but it was sin. It was against the law of God. It would separate him from the presence of God. So in this moment, he's seen an action that he would see as sin and as disgusting, and he has God telling him, do it. And don't call it sinful and disgusting if I've called it clean. God was preparing Peter to do the unthinkable. It wasn't in his mindset. It was outside of his tradition. 
It was outside of his comfort zone. It was outside of anything he knew to be right. And God was preparing him and getting him ready to go do something that was completely uncomfortable for him, to cross the chasm of racism, to cross the chasm of spiritual pride, and to show Peter his love, God's love, for all mankind. Now remember, Jesus had told them clearly in the Great Commission to go to Jerusalem, to go to Judea, to go to Samaria, to go to the ends of the earth. But in their mindset, it was so locked in that even though Jesus had told them that, even though the, the Old Testament had told them that, that, that through this seed of Jesus that would, that would be a blessing to all mankind, that it was such a mindset of how they saw things and how things were in their tradition that they saw that going to the uttermost parts of the world where they were going to seek out other Jewish people. They weren't going to seek out Gentiles. They're going to go seek out other people of, of their race, of the chosen people, to share the gospel with them. It wasn't a message to the, to the Gentile nations. It was still locked in, even though Jesus had been clear about it, crystal clear about what was expected. So their mindset, they were still locked in. Now, what a story of how God begins to just clearly break that down for Peter. Now, when other Jewish people heard what had happened, they freaked out. I mean, they didn't go, oh, how wonderful. This is a great thing. They, they started freaking out. And then Peter tells them, listen, they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit just like us. The same thing that happened to us on the day of Pentecost happened to them. I was just talking to them, folks. I was just telling them. I was just answering what they said. And while I'm talking, the Holy Spirit falls and people start, you know, speaking in tongues and the power of God falls on them. And, it's, it's, and they go, wow. Wow. So God's even available to the Gentiles. How, that was an amazing thought to them that God was open to all of us. And then the debate begins about what has to be done and what the Gentiles have to do and how much of the Jewish law we have to keep. And quickly, Paul enters into this discussion, this transformed man who had been so locked into the law, who now sees the law answered in Jesus. And our only hope not being in fulfilling the law, but in trusting in Jesus. Now, we all come to Christ today and we know we, we've, we've been born and raised it's like we, we, we know electricity's there we know air conditioning's available we know some of the nicer things that we enjoy we can get them if we don't have them and we know in our faith that Christianity's available to all of us but we all come to Christ with our background in life we all come with things that inform us of how to think and how to live and how to approach God uh, and so here we come walking this, this is one of the reasons why friends at, at this church at Calvary we, this is an interdenominational church we, we say everybody from every, every background you're welcome to come here you're welcome to walk in our door and we look at you and say now here's the only requirement leave all your doctrinal stuff out in the parking lot let's do what this says if this says to do it the Bible says to do it let's do it if the Bible doesn't say to do it, let's not worry about it too much. 
if the Bible says don't do it, let's not do it. Let's obey the Bible. And what we find is that when people start obeying the Bible, people from all kinds of different backgrounds can get along. Because it's not about our traditions, it's not about our worldview, it's about what the Bible teaches us to do. And we set all of those things aside. But when we come in from all of these backgrounds, with all this different way of looking at things, there are times when God asks us to do the unthinkable. Something that's not in our tradition, something so outside our box of comfort that the second we hear it, it, we wrestle with it in our spirit. We're uncomfortable with it. We don't like it. We try to explain it away. We want to dismiss it as false. We want to move away from it because it's, it's, not the way we've, it's not the way we've always done church. It's not the way we've approached things. It's not the way we understand the world to work. But God speaks to us. Now, he, he may give somebody a, a, a dream or a vision or there may be some defining moment of, revelation that they go oh i need to change but you know how he usually speaks he usually speaks to us through his word by reading his words by somebody teaching us his word by somebody preaching to us his word and we hear it and his spirit convicts us and we have to respond to it we have to decide this thing we've now heard and seen that is in God's word, what am I going to do with it? So, so here's the deal. We have to understand that we come to God not whole, but broken, not seen, but blind, not wise, but foolish, not right, but wrong. This is how we come to God. We come to God without a clue. And, and, and yet we think we know how to do this thing. We think we know how to live this Christian life, and we need to understand, but we really don't. We really don't. We come to God fatally flawed, and the sooner I realize that, the sooner I can let God move in me and begin to change me and form me into his will and fulfill his purpose. Peter had to see a vision and be spoken to by God to do the unthinkable to go to a place that his background would tell him not to go, to go to a place where his flesh would say, that's not good, to go to a place that would be uncomfortable, go to a place that his old comrades would say, what are you doing? That, that's weird, that's strange, that's wrong, that's sinful. But when he did, when he submitted, when he obeyed, he became a part of a seismic shift and how God relates to the world and moves in the world. And when you do, there's going to be a seismic shift in your life. So here's the question of the day. What is the unthinkable to you? What is the thing in Scripture that is so clear, but when you read it, you want to skim past it? When you hear somebody teach about it, you kind of excuse it away as, that's not me. You know, maybe, maybe the unthinkable to you is just wholehearted worship. Maybe you come from a background where, in, in the church that you, your, your traditional church, you sang a hymn or two, and you folded up the hymn book, and you thought, all oh, those words are nice, or 
maybe you just kind of did it by road or whatever and then you set the hymn book down and there was no emotional connection to it maybe in many times little mental connection to it and you set it down put it back in the in the chair and that was fine and then you come into a place like this and you see people with their hands in the air you see people singing you you, you hear you hear a, a choir singing from from the depth of their heart about the joy of God and there's something about the emotionalism of all of that and the move of all that that kind of sets you at odds kind of makes you go oh this makes me a little uncomfortable I'm not so sure about this this is they're kind of trying to hype me up into something but you open the word or you hear the preaching about a a great creator who loves you who sent his son to die for you who blesses you with life and hope who gives you every good and perfect gift who gives you so much you could never repay him you go out and you look at the creation of the universe you become more aware of what God has done and what he puts all around us you open up his word and it tells us you should thank him everything that has breath should praise him you should sing to him you should lift your voice to him you should in gratefulness raise your hands and thank him and you should kneel before him not out of ritual none of this happens out of ritual true worship doesn't happen because you go through a formula true worship happens because you recognize who God is and what he has done for you and you want to express gratefulness for it you're uncomfortable I got to open myself up I've got to do things that feel strange I, I've got to I've got to you know, lift, lift my hands come on pastor see here, here's what you got to understand about worship the enemy wants to push you the, the, the Bible gives us clear direction the enemy wants to push you one way or the other he'll push you to nothingness where you do little or nothing or he'll push you to weirdness weirdness is probably the right word because you may consider some of the right things weird he pushes you to an extreme the boundaries are in his word if his, God has said if you want to express rightful thankfulness to me from a right heart here's what's acceptable here's what I receive and when I begin to understand that, I may go, well, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And God says, if you're grateful to me, I receive that as an honorable way of worshiping me and thanking me. Your hands lifted to me. Your knees bowed before me. Your voice singing to me. I'm not a good singer. God loves your voice. He loves the way you sing. When you sing with a right heart, it is empowered to give praise and worship to Him, and He receives it joyfully, even if you don't hit one note right. Because it's about your heart and not about your talent. And when you do that, friends, what, what's happening is God is inviting you into a new place of His presence 
into a new place of relationship with Him, into a new life with Him. And we begin to talk about this, and we begin to talk about, hey, look, don't just do this on Sunday morning, but when, when you're home and you think about the goodness of God, lift, just lift your hands and praise God at home. Walk through your house and praise God. You go, oh, that is so weird. That's way outside of my comfort zone. Good. Do the unthinkable. Do the unthinkable. If the Word of God says it, set aside all your tradition, all your comforts, all your stuff, and do what God would have, and you'll find new things in God. You'll find new things in God. Now, what's your unthinkable? Okay. <clears throat> Hold on tight. It's about to get rough in here. Are you ready? Maybe the unthinkable is, is to you is giving. Especially consistent, faithful giving. Maybe you give occasionally, but I mean to to really get consistent with it and, and to weekly give and, and really to rock your world, to tithe. Oh my goodness, that is way out there. It's way out there. You come from a background where all that you have is yours. You owe nothing to anyone. You've gotten it all yourself. You've gained it all yourself. And be careful, be careful, because if you go to church, they are always after your money. So be careful. Or, here's the other big lie. I give in other ways. I have a relative in need, and I give to him. I have a child that has some needs, and I, I take care. That's where my offerings go. There's some other thing that I kind of like, and I give to that. When the Bible clearly says, bring your tithe into the storehouse. And if you do, God will bless you in this. So you open the Word of God or you hear preaching and you hear something radical, something so unthinkable that you are a steward of what God has given you. That it is all His and everything you earn and get is because God has given you the strength and the ability to earn and get it. That is truly a mind-altering concept. It's a seismic shift. It's unthinkable to the modern mindset that we should care about others' needs or that we can store up treasures in heaven through our faithfulness and giving, that we are actually res responsible for our response to other people's needs or to the needs of the church, that we are blessed to be a blessing. And the topper of it all is this, if you obey God, he will pour out his blessing on you. So when you get to that part of the Bible, you're reading fast. You're, you're, you're excusing that away. You're, you're cutting that one out and going past it, marking it with big red things so you can just skim over it. Your mathematical mind says, no way. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Your flesh resists the very thought of faithful giving or tithing your flesh twists up inside of yourself and you know maybe even at a moment like this you find yourself getting angry frustrated you resent the request you make excuses for your refusal to obey i don't have enough to give or i've got to do this or if god gave me a new job i give i hit the lotto then i give making all kinds of excuses why you're not faithful. 
what it's unthinkable it's outside of your comfort zone it's outside of what you're used to it's outside of your concept of what seems to be right or wrong but then you see these things it would be great you'd love for the church to have great programs that minister to more and more people you would love for the church ministries to flourish and be able to do more and more to reach out to the hurting and lost of our community you'd love for the church to be strong and to be healthy and to be able to, to to respond to the needs of the community and respond to the needs of the world and proclaim the good news to those who don't know it you'd love for those things to be happening you'd love to see more done but will you do the unthinkable will you follow god's plan to get it done Will you begin to invest in eternity in such a way that it becomes transformational? God is inviting you to be a world changer, to join world changers over the centuries, to let his blessing flow through us into others' lives. But we have to have a seismic shift in our thinking. And I'm telling you, there's some of you here today that the thought of giving regularly or giving your tithe is as radical of a change as Peter going to Cornelius' house. But God's knocking on the door through his word. He's knocking on the door at the gate saying, come follow me. I'm going to show you something great. I'm going to show you something great. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe the seismic shift is prayer. Now, I don't, I don't think we, re, we, we reject prayer for, for the most part. You know, we're, we're willing to pray at our meals as long as it's not in public. Uh, we're willing to pray at church if somebody else is leading. Now, if somebody in our family gets seriously sick, we're, we're definitely willing to pray then. And we're willing to ask others to pray. We'll call everyone to prayer at that moment. But to develop a life of regular prayer, to, to set time aside in your day to regularly see God? Wait, wait a second. I'm pretty busy. Pretty busy. See, this is one of the things the enemy, he wants to fill your life up with so much stuff that you can't do the important stuff. That you can't do the world-altering stuff. To get this concept that, that there is a spiritual battle going on. That there's an enemy that comes to steal and kill and destroy that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces uh, and, and powers and spiritual realms. And that we enter into that spiritual conflict when we begin to pray and cry out to God. And as those spiritual forces are trying to impact our children and our grandchildren, and we have the authority to stop them. We have the authority to pray over our children and our grandchildren, over our church, over our nation and ask God to raise up forces against them to get that concept and say you know what this shouldn't be a once a week thing or a once a month thing I need to do this every day I need to enter into this realm of life to set time aside on our schedule to come to church and to learn to pray and to learn to pray out loud to lift our voices you go are you kidding me pastor I'm busy are you kidding me? I'm, I'm tired. Sure enough, the enemy wants you to be busy and tired. He doesn't want you to take him on. Pastor, everything's fine. My kids are doing, you know, they're little, they're doing great. 
Don't wait till they're not. Don't wait till they're not. Oh, I, you know, I, I feel weird. I don't know what to say. What do you want? What do you think God wants? What do you want them to want? What do you want them to desire? What do you want them to, to be like? Pray. Seek God. So you read the Word and you hear preaching and you know that Jesus prayed and you know that the New Testament church prayed and, and, and you know that every great move of God and every real victory started with people praying. And maybe you've tried, but it's hard. Maybe you come to prayer service a week or two, but you get tired. And the concept of really saying, you know what, at the end of my life I want to have built a life of prayer is kind of unthinkable. Kind of transformation. You've, ne you've never seen it quite that way. It's, you've never seen it done. It's not natural to you. But God is calling you to world-changing power. You have people who need Jesus, and their eyes are blind. You have children who need spiritual covering. You have decisions where you need to learn to make a, a godly choice and to hear God in it, not just in your own flesh. Maybe there's been emotional brokenness inside of you that you would love to be set free from. Maybe you're facing issues that need to be changed in your life, and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried, and nothing seems to work. It's prayer. Will you do the unthinkable? Will you follow those knocking at the gate and saying, come and let's pray daily, clearly, with hope in the power of God? will take a new path if you do the unthinkable breakthroughs are coming will you pray every day for lost souls to get saved at our church will you pray every day for God to bless us financially and to help us do the things he's called us to do will you pray for our city that will be open to, the, to, the, to the, the message of the gospel when we pray God moves in our lives Maybe the unthinkable is to be a witness. To share faith with others. You're too shy. You don't know where to start. Religion is a private thing. You're too scared to take the risk. But here it is. God calling us to do the unthinkable. To start having the spiritual talk with other people that we love and care about. That we want to make sure they don't spend a Christless eternity. To start inviting people to come into God's house. And praying that God will move in their life. It's not even that you don't want to see people saved. It's just, it's just unthinkable to you that you would do this. It's just a, a, a whole other world that you can't comprehend. But God calls us, hear me, He calls us to the unthinkable. He calls His servants to part seas, to conquer kingdoms, to battle giants, to stand in the flames to spend the night in lion's dens. And today he calls us to say something, to shout a warning, to proclaim the victory. He calls us to be voices in the darkness. His promise that his word will not return void. He promises that, that there's no, that there's no promise that it will always be received with joy or acceptance or with respect, but it will do what it was meant to do. It will go into their life the way it was meant to go. Peter was called to do the unthinkable, and so am I. And so are you. Now listen. 
God called Peter to do the unthinkable, I want you to remember this. God was already there. He was in Cornelius' house long before the people went to get him. God was there already. And when he calls us to unthinkable things, he's already there. He's already there. When Peter, Peter obeyed God, God moved in power. Now remember, God didn't need Peter to baptize Cornelius and his house and the Holy Spirit. He could have done that without Peter. Peter didn't have to be there. This scene was as much for Peter as it was for Cornelius. God wanted Peter to see what God was doing so that Peter's mind and life could be changed. So here's the question. What's the unthinkable for you? To get in a ministry? To begin to serve? To give yourself and to say, you know what, I'm going to weekly serve others? Maybe it's to forgive somebody who's hurt you. And it seems unthinkable to forgive them, to move on. Maybe it's to go into some kind of full-time ministry, pastoral ministry, or some other ministry. God's been speaking to you and talking to you, and, and you're just struggling. What is it? What is this thing in your life? To begin to worship, to express thanks to God, to begin to build a prayer life, to begin to give, to trust God. All of it seems unthinkable, but there at the gate of your life is the invite. There at the gate of your heart are the servants saying, we've been sent to you. The word of God is spoken. You've heard the voice. But remember this. When you do the unthinkable, it's for your good as much as for others' good. Father, in Jesus' name, right now as we come to the close of this service, I pray you'd speak to our hearts, Father, about things that, are, that seem unthinkable to us, but they're right in the middle of your kingdom. For Peter, it was that the Gentiles could be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Seemed completely outside the realms of possibility. Father, for us, it may be something as simple as giving up our pride and expressing true biblical worship from a thankful heart. Maybe it's something as dedicated as saying, I'm going to begin to pray every day. I'm going to understand spiritual things. Maybe it's as committed as saying, I'm going to, I am going to start sharing my faith with others going to start giving. I'm going to start preparing myself for the calling God has on my life. Father, whatever it is, I'm going to, I'm going to forgive that person. I'm going to go past it. Whatever it is, Father. Today, let this message stir us to accept the unthinkable and to follow the leading of your Spirit. every head remains bowed, every eye closed for just a moment.
say, Pastor, as I sit here today, the unthinkable for me walking in this door is that I need to surrender my life to Christ. But today I felt God's Spirit, I'm aware of His presence. And today I need to surrender my heart to Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me right now. Right now, right this moment, say, pray for me. God bless you, I see that hand. Others today, you raise your hand and say, pray for me. Anyone else today? Across the balcony, God bless you. Anyone else? Father, you know the condition of every heart in this room, and I pray, I pray you would put a fire in every believer's heart to share faith and to bring the lost into your house and prepare us as a church to receive them and to see people come to know your son. Let us be filled with your boldness and your strength. And for these who raise their hand today, Lord, as we pray this very simple prayer, we pray that you'd move in their heart and give them assurance of their salvation and of your touch in their life. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive Jesus as my Lord. And I receive Jesus as my Savior. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want you to get this piece of paper out real quick. What's the unthinkable for you? What is God challenging you to do? Does something clearly be spoken to you today? I'm going to ask you to take that paper and, and fold it in half. This isn't high-tech. This is simple. Fold it in half. And whatever it is, uh, write it on the top and then write it on the bottom and then tear your paper in two. Okay? Do that right now. It's God speaking. As I prayed about this message today, I just came to this awareness that God wanted, wants to do seismic shifts in some of your lives today. Absolute, begin a process of transformation that will change the, the entirety of your life if you'll listen to him and you'll take on what seems unthinkable. If you'll accept his word just for his word and follow him. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. Tear that in half. And take one half and you can put it in your pocket or put it in your Bible someplace where you'll find it and see it and pray about it over this next couple of weeks. But as we sing this song, I want you to come and lay the other part, portion on the altar and say, God, I've heard you today and I want to go to the gate and follow you wherever you take me. As we sing, you stand and come and then you can return right back to your seat. And after that, when we're all done, Dan will dismiss us today. Praise the Lord. Go in the joy of the Lord today. If you have prayers, please, the, the prayer room is open. Grace and peace.